You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by SpannersReady.com, We Live F1, and BadgerGP.com, F1 isn't boring. I'm your host, Spanners Ready, and I'm joined all the way back from Gay Paris, it's Matt to Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's going fine. It's going delightful, except for the fact that I am back from Paris, where I would frankly much rather be at this point. Everyone who comes back from Paris comes back smug and like pseudo cultured and thinks like, oh, everything's so lame. In Paris, they do this. In Paris, the trains, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, I'll put it to you this way. I came back from a week in Paris and on my first day coming home late at night, what was normally a 25 minute commute took me well over an hour. So, yeah, when it comes to running the metro, got to hand it to the Parisians. They got it down. Anyway, family all enjoyed it. You're all cultured up and, uh, and and ready to sort of increase the culture level of the U.S. a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think we've expanded the we've expanded the girls' horizons and given her some new perspectives, which probably most Americans could desperately use right about now. And let's fill some more time finding out what you're drinking. Oh no, 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 no! Because it's not really the off season anymore at all, is it? We are fully back in F1. F1's back, baby. Yes, yes, F1 is back. We've had some testing. We've seen some cars on a track, and they even had a truck race to make it all interesting the last day. Just quickly, though, uh, talking about cars on track or carts on track, I want to try and use this microphone now to try and get some advice from dads who've got their kids into karting. So excuse me, guys, while I, while I use this for my own benefit, but uh, I took the lad to the Rye House Mini Track with his mate and we we had a fantastic afternoon's karting and it's amazing how competitive 
the kids get straight away and how they instinctively know that they've got to get the inside line, that they need to bash past people, that they need to defend, and they, they instinctively get the need to be the car in front. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, racing, that's the beautiful thing about racing. Where do you want to be? Oh, in front. Yeah. So everybody can figure that out. They got it. But the dads were worse. I mean, I was I was there with a very mild-mannered accounts manager uh, for a retail firm. Never never seen him get excited. But as soon as his kid was like, barging up the middle of my kid, oh, there was death threats. There was uh, impassioned, you know, blood was boiling. It was, it was an amazing thing to watch. And now I'm definitely going to be a cart dad. So unfortunately, not only do I have to buy a go-kart for him, I also have to buy a cat for Nicola to distract her so that when she asks about the trailer in the car in the front garden I tell, look at the cat look at the pretty cat i can tell you from personal experience this works great for those of you just finding us we are an independent podcast hosted by spannersready.com we aim to bring you race reviews before your monday morning commute we might be wrong but we're first this show is safe for work we're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background in the car or at work This week, we were going to waffle, but since we've got such an esteemed cast, we are going to do some proper F1 testing reviews. So, without further ado, editor-in-chief, I think, or editor of Badger GP, did I just overly promote you, Craig Norman? That's fine. I can put it on a business card. That's great. Thank you, Spanners. And we're joined fresh back from Barcelona, our very own Chris Stevens, but also Formula Spies Chris Stevens, and also Lean Angle Podcasts Chris Stevens. So many uh, little additions there. I love it. Uh, Craig, are you you into karting at all? Are you a karting man? I have been karting. I have been known to kart. But I haven't put my child in a kart yet because she's only seven months old. But she'll get there. Oh, honestly, the time between seven months old and six, where I'm now seriously thinking about buying a kart, it's just been torturous hell. And I put him in a (laughs) go-kart way too early. I think about three and a half or four. And it was he crashed loads. It was a disaster. And I was like, no, no, put the brakes on that. Just wait. Be patient. (laughs) <laughs> well maybe maybe i'll put it in by the end of the week because i was thinking about um obviously we've been trying to do a missed apex podcasting uh karting race you know invite listeners down invite contributors down to do it uh, i have been wanting to go to rye house i will say it is a great course i've been working on them to cut me a deal and they won't right now so and i don't think it is going to happen but you know but but they did look after the boy yesterday so uh, there's two i'm looking for at the moment which is is rogue racing in aylesbury but the cart's yeah, quite down quick. the road from me. That's not far from me. The, cool. the cart's quick, and I, I think mm. it's a good it's a good place. But the only the only problem with me is it's just a very narrow track, and I lack the skill to overtake on a very narrow track. So is this the one that's got the banked corner? Yes, at the end. So you come yeah. out, you come you come from high up from the second level, come all the way down, and then you come into a hairpin that's on a hill. So you immediately hit the hill, and it kind of breaks for you, and you just flip into the the next turn. So yeah, it's, it's a good track, but I I'm not skillful enough to to race it. And then on the other hand, I'm looking at the Teamworks one in Letchworth, uh, which po- possibly not as fast carts. They're the electric ones, but the track is so wide that you can have a proper like Mario Kart style brawl. And the great stuff about the electric karting, which I've done before, is you get the power instantly. So you just hear people laughing because there's no engine note because it's electric. And you hear screeches and tires and people just, you, you can stand on the sidelines of people just pulling drifts around corners because it's just <laughs> instant power. So it was good fun. So I'm still torn. So if anybody has any suggestions of, uh, of bases, places basically in the Bedfordshire, just north of London area for us to do an event, or if indeed you work for a venue and you think you might be able to look after us um, for an event please do get in touch email me at spannersready at gmail.com hey let's have some big dirty news big dirty news 
big dirty news is that F1 is back. We are testing. We've been watching the testing. All of us sat at our computers, pretending to work, uh, actually watching the BBC or Formula Spy live streams, uh, watching the news coming up. Um, the only day I missed it, I had an all-day meeting on Thursday, and I, I did ask, I did ask the room, are there enough Formula One fans in here to justify having the live stream stream up on the projector? Uh, there was some like nervous giggles, but I could tell a few people also wanted to do that. But jealous, Chris, the only time I've ever found myself jealous of you is you were actually in Barcelona this week reporting for Formula Spy. Yeah, yeah, I was. It was um, quite an, an interesting experience, really, because it, it, it's, it's sort of it's about 10,000 times bigger than any other paddock I've ever been in. But it's, there's also like 10,000 times more people. So is well. this the first time you've reported live on Formula One? Yeah. So basically my role at Formula Spy has been uh, kind of home support. So the guys who are actually in the paddock, they will send me stuff to write. Uh, they'll send me the quotes. And um, so I basically do uh, the, the the things that they're basically too busy to do. Um, the, the goal has always been to kind of get me into Formula One. It's kind of just been uh, kind of budget dependent basically so no, this yeah. was so, the you, perfect so, so you were the you were the brew boy you were sweeping up in the staff room and i think that's perfectly fair for a man of your age and and now you've you've been promoted and you're up there with the big boys so were you were you starstruck were you blown away or did you find yourself at home very quickly no it, it, the interesting thing about sort of paddocks is that you know they are they are home to me you know it's like the pit lane you 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 get a sense of belonging and you could you can't be starstruck really because you'll just you you'll look like an idiot basically um but i'm sort of used to it by now basically so i, I don't tend to sort of get giddy about it p right in the chat room says sparkles does spain <laughs> i like it sparkles does oh. spain so when you were doing spain um what, what was your impression then of the 2017 cars because there's been so so much talk about these are bigger better louder faster this is formula one this is raw the drivers are going to be wrestling with it you know what did you notice did these things look a handful did they look planted i think first of all on the kind of aesthetics the studio shots and the pictures anyone seen online they do not do them justice whatsoever these cars look phenomenal in person and on the track they look incredible it's 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 like somebody's kind of turned the clock back about 10 years i've, I've seen uh you know as, as the cars they go away from you on sort of like corner exit it's like watching the old 2003 four five cars it's it's just it's really really cool so we have a bright shiny object to distract us from the utter lack of racing that we're going to see this year then well See, this is this is the thing. This is the really interesting thing, isn't it? Because if you take a kind of logical stand uh, on the aerodynamics, then yeah, supposedly the racing is going to be worse. But I would say there is also uh, the issue of the tires, which has now been resolved in that drivers can actually push during races and that will encourage racing, I feel. Great. So one-stop races where yep. people can follow. I cannot wait to see that. That's <laughs> going to sound like, oh, wait, is it Monaco I'm thinking there? Spanners. Yep. Well, this is it. You worry about Monaco because that's that's the worst one. But but come on, Chris, you're dying to tell us why it's not all doom and gloom. Well, the interesting thing about the ties is that it's, it, apparently it's not so much less degradation, but the drivers can just still push on them as the tyre uh wears off yeah i think the degradation has come down slightly but 
I think there could still be a strategy element in that, but the, the drivers won't be, you know, afraid to get too close to the driver in front in case they shred their tires, which I think is only going to make things better and more exciting. That's a really good... Not, sorry, Craig. Go on, you go. And let's not forget we've still got the three uh, tire compound strategy this year, so they've still got to pick from three tire compounds, which did produce some good racing last year. So if you're going to have these guys pushing on different strategies, so you're going to have the softer tires versus with the short with the multi-stops versus the harder tires of one stop, you're going to have guys in close competition at different speeds. Blackout19 says, we have a new technical reason why there's no overtaking to take us through the first three months. It's totally different to previous years. Chris, is it so, so different to previous years? I don't think it's so, so different. I think it's different to what we've grown accustomed to in the last couple of years. But, I mean, the the grip coming out of these cars is just phenomenal. The drivers are just throwing these cars into the corners with the extra uh, aero and the mechanical grip. But the torque demands from the engine, they do still seem to be uh, exceeding the uh, the limits of the of the car on corner exit. So they seem to have pretty good traction, but the rear does kind of still seem a bit twitchy as they come out, uh, which I'm, I'm quite happy about because I was worried they were going to look slightly too planted. Apparently some more than others struggling with that, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) We'll get to Williams. (laughs) We'll get to Williams in due course. Um, Yeah. So um, the the shark fins um, are meant to make the cars much more stable in the corners. Did you, did you notice anything uh, physical about that? Did you see them like, so did they, they don't make them your less, do they? But when they are yawing, they apparently mean that the downforce remains instead of getting disrupted. Well, see, this is the thing, and I, I think the, the new tyres have um, had an effect on this as well, plus the extra um, aero is that when you do lose it, you lose it big time. The, the, the cars that had less downforce, they're almost kind of easier to slide. So you have a moment and you're kind of able to catch it. You catch it. You'll lose time, but you can still catch it. With these new cars, once it goes, that's it. You're gone. Um, the... The the shark fins are, are an interesting one because I, I yeah I think their main purpose is to kind of keep some stability. But the T wings that we've seen sprouting on top of them, uh, they're they're all about you know in, improving airflow over the rear wing, and we've seen some interesting variations on that. So on the first uh, day of the test, uh, Williams and Haas sprouted them on their on their shark fins mercedes came up with a double stacked t-wing that everyone got very excited about on the second day awesome so yeah. matt yeah i was gonna say and and that was due to about a five centimeter gap that the regulators either purposefully or not depending upon your view of the regulators left in the regulations but i think what's interesting is is going to be not so much straight line but when we start seeing crosswinds between the larger barge boards and the shark fins, we could see some very interesting results on the cars because that's a lot more surface area than they're used to having, especially at tracks where crosswinds tend to happen. Well, Valtteri did say that these uh, new cars, they're definitely more uh, susceptible to wind. Um, I mean, you saw, did anyone see him have a huge slide out of turn nine during his race him on Tuesday? just about kept out of the barriers and that was because of a, a, a gust of wind um so i i do definitely think he he's he's right about that the thing about the the, the t-wings 
though, is that um, I, I think there is it, there's grounds for them to uh, be banned before the start of the season. And I'm kind of I'm kind of with them on this because the first thing you'll notice about them at speed is that they shake so much. They flutter like crazy. Uh, there was one uh, image of Lewis I used on a on an article where the T-Wing's basically at a 20 degree angle of him coming out of the chicane. And I think the FA are going to be slightly worried about that. So uh, I, I think they could be gone before the start of the season. Yeah, I want to see what Craig um, Craig thinks about that and also the tyres, because the chat room are talking about the tyres, because Lewis said the tyres are much too hard. Mark Hughes mentioned as much. Uh, Paul Wright says Paul Hembury more or less admitted they're too hard and um, people suggesting that perhaps for Pirelli have failed again. Um, now, see, I'd find it too hard to be to judge Pirelli because I do think they are delivering to order. Uh, but what what do you think, Craig? Well, the thing with this with Pirelli is that they have a contract where they have to create an inferior product. They are a tyre manufacturer and they have to create tyres that either degrade or like lose performance, which is something a tyre company has never had to do in Formula 1 before. So they're always going to be on the back foot with that. And also they have to t- they have to try and test with the bare minimum track time that they get. They get a bit of a Friday afternoon where they might introduce new tyre compounds towards the end of the year and they get the young driver's test in the middle of the year. So it, it's it's hard for them to create a tyre that delivers what they want to deliver. With Pirelli, it's it's just it's they can't win either way they do it. They they try so hard to create these tyres that create better racing and they've had periods of races where it works really well and the three tire compound thing in my view works but they have to create this new larger tire and have to run it off this is the first week of them and they're going to have some negative comments with it it's, it's just going to happen they can't have all the t- all the drivers saying it's really positive because one or two drivers won't like them so i think they've done a good enough job they've got to create something that has to be inferior in a way and if these dri- if these drivers are struggling on them or they're finding them not very not what they expect then they're going to have to adapt their driving style again and that's going to create some some competition the the word i've had from drivers is that the new tires are very good i've only heard positive comments uh about them the only negative ones i've heard are about the intermediate tire wait really. wait wait so, wait wait. which drivers which drivers because your that statement heavily implies that you were schmoozing and whining and dining with hmm. formula one drivers tell 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 okay um uh, i know palmer is a big fan of them uh Esteban Ocon really likes them um Kimi and Massa are the two I'd be interested in because they were the ones that have said have suffered the most have been reported to suffer the most from not being able to push the tires I haven't listened to our Kimi interview because I didn't go to that one but uh, I shall double check that one for you for you spanners but of, of, of all the drivers that we've been speaking to the comments have been very very positive yeah well the issue is going to be very much the effect on strategy because with the tires lasting longer and and now what they've done is previously the problem for the teams was keeping the tires in, in the operating window. If they went out of the window, they were destroyed. And it was specifically asked that that not happen. But the end result of that has been tires that last, last, last much, much longer. They last much longer. But what we don't have is that crossover and degradation where like, say, I could run a medium tire and after eight or 10 laps, I'm going to be faster than someone on a soft tire. There was a nice little workup on Reddit of of times and we're not seeing the crossover there. And that's potentially problematic. If I can put on a pair of softs and run basically a whole race, one stop, mm-hmm. or a pair of mediums, 
then if there's no advantage to running the mediums and everybody is going to devolve on just running the soft. And once we have everybody on the same tire and the same strategy, we've actually made the race a little bit less interesting from that point of view. I think that's the fear of uh, people who are looking at it from a technical point of view. Now, it may not work out like that in the real world, because right now, all our tire information is very preliminary. And it's also based primarily on running outside of traffic. I mean, you didn't see a lot of cars like trying to get by each other during testing. So this may change it somewhat. But I think that's a big fear right now. The thing we've got to remember as well is that this is just, you know, it's one preseason test and we should never, ever, ever read anything into testing times whatsoever. No, everyone ignore him. Continue your wild speculation, please. The Well, the thing at Mercedes were the only team to do a proper Grand Prix simulation and uh, the lap times were far slower than certainly I was expecting. They were only, they were pretty much on par with what they've been doing, you know, already. So, I, I, you know, the degradation that they would have gotten off of that would have been uh, very uh, un, unrealistic of what will actually happen in the Grand Prix. Right. But that, that actually brings us up to another interesting point that, that I haven't bothered to investigate yet as fully as I'd like, but that many people are saying that this, these regulation changes are going to make an, an even more engine or power unit focused formula and in particular we've seen some some writing that it could be a real push for the teams energy wise because the braking zones are shorter and they're faster through the turns so that without increasing the energy store like they increased the fuel uh, extra five kilos of fuel to make up for that but they didn't increase the amount of energy one could store and as a result if you're not able to regen energy you might not see race times that are any faster than last year but what you will see are quality times that are about three to five seconds faster great because that was the problem not fast enough qualifying well that certainly wasn't the issue last year because we broke a few qualifying uh, records but certainly in 2015 when uh we first came up with these regulation changes that was uh the issue but matt's absolutely spot on uh, there is an extra 10 percent of the lap uh that is going to be spent uh, at full throttle now so that already means a lot of lot more stress on the engines and particularly the earth systems because it means you're starting to deploy that energy a lot earlier uh, so it will run out earlier as well and like you say braking zones are shorter so you can regen uh less so uh, yeah it's definitely going to make it more of an engine formula the fact that we've got this extra five kilos of, of fuel to burn now means that we might actually see them revving past twelve thousand rpm which will be nice uh, and it'll make them even louder as well yes i'm sure that will improve the racing massively in the chat room christopher fonseca says first time on the live stream the illusion of how good you all look in my head is broken sad face emoji well do you know what chris yeah Craig Norman, he's taking that very personally. Unbelievable. He's, he's even combed his hair today, Craig Norman, just for the live stream. <laughs> I thought I'd finally fa- found a, uh, a a camera angle, you know, that got rid of the chins, that, that gave me, you know, kind of a nice square jaw for once. Uh, but that illusion has been broken and no Blackout 19. He cannot have comment of the week. Let's start talking about some of the teams in particular. And here's where me and Matt may well fall out. So we don't get the first word on this. Uh, This is a section I like to call why Matt is wrong. And let's talk about the McLaren Honda performance in testing, because Chris, it's not what they wanted. 
Go on, no, Matt. Go on, Matt. Stop waving. That's going to irritate me. What do you well, have to say? says why Spanners is wrong in the notes. That's I live I edited that. Chris, it's not what they <laughs> wanted at all, is it? Uh, no, no, not at all. They have undergone a big redesign for this year. So adopting the split turbo design, uh, like the Mercedes engine, they pioneered that in 2014. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't imagine it's the split turbo specifically that's um, their issue. I think there's still quite a bit of debate about that back at um, the Honda factory. But uh, yeah, a couple of install laps for Fernando before they had to completely change his engine on Monday. And then Stoffel had a similar issue on Tuesday. And it's effectively cost them two days of running and you only get eight days of running in uh, preseason testing. Uh, So that that was definitely an issue. I think what they ended up doing was going back to an older specification engine on certain parts because it, it sounded very different on the Wednesday and the Thursday than it did to the Monday and the Tuesday, just so they could get some running in maybe. You have to look at the fact that this this is the third year of an engine partnership that should be now ticking all the boxes and and they should be hitting the bare basics. Yep. If they can't get something like an uh, an oil leak sorted out straight away, or you know, it, it for me it really frustrates me because if Honda could just get it right, if they could just build a power unit that worked, it it would get the aerodynamics working on the McLaren. So because the Honda unit isn't deploying all the power at the right time or maximum power when they need it. They're then having to develop the chassis in a different way to get more downforce at lower speeds, which is then when the engine does work, they have to then change the chassis back again. For me, it's just this house of cards that just keeps collapsing in on itself. And we had such a positive pre-season with McLaren. They're like, this is the year. This is the year it's going to change. We're going to turn the car orange. Or or, or are we? They spent all all winter (laughs) going, are we going to turn the car orange? And then they did turn the car orange, and we all went... (laughs) Oh, it's orange! Wow, that's and terrible. That, <laughs> Why did and you do then that? We're the sponsors, and now now they've finally got this car on track, and it's not on track. They've had four power units or five power units used in this in this test alone. That's that's crazy. I mean, if I was Fernando Alonso, I'd be looking to I'd be calling all of the Mon teams up now, just going any that's chance it, of done. a drive. But but let's go to Matt because Matt was saying that this year McLaren were definitely going to win the World Constructors Championship. You said that. You said definitely. Um, no, I think that's one of your alternative facts, my friend. I maintain my right to do that. But you were much more optimistic, basically, that the change in engine regulations that removed the token restriction that allowed them to basically develop as much as they want would favor them in particular. Well, it wouldn't favor them. We were talking comparisons to pre. Everyone was like, oh, they were a disaster last year. They'll be a disaster this year. I was making the point that the regulations have changed. In previous years, they have been unable to address certain shortcomings baked into the design because of the token system. That is no longer in play. Do you really think all the restrictions... If it's it's a problem, they can fix it. So do you think that if if there was no token system last year, they would already have caught up? Because I just, I can't see that as being the problem. To my mind... you're, 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 You're substituting the one term for the other. I'm not talking about catching up or not catching up. I'm talking about uh, when they identify certain basic design problems right. with the token system, if they're in certain areas, they can't fix it. Yeah, but done. That, that system is walled off. That's no longer the case. That doesn't take away from their need to identify the problem and and design around it or through it, as you will. But I want to I want to point out something else. Is that I heard the 
oil tank design was a fixable problem, but not until Melbourne. But I also heard that there was a misfiring problem. Is that what you heard, Chris Stevens, too? And do you think it's related to the fact that they're trying to run this new turbulent jet ignition that Mercedes and a couple of the other teams have been on because it's much more efficient? Well, well, that system they were running um, in the, towards the back end of 2016 as well. So I don't necessarily think it's that. Um, the the trouble about the misfiring thing as well is it always sounds like it's misfiring so <laughs> kind of a hard issue to identify i've heard pretty much every possible issue you could have with an engine being listed as the potential uh problem here so the, uh, i think at this point uh, maybe even honda don't know yet stop waffling um, chris let's hear from craig okay so i think that um the great thing about McLaren and Honda this year is that they they don't have the token system holding them back. So the development rate on these cars this year is going to be phenomenal. We're going to be looking at such an incredible rate of parts coming out of a team. If, if you have a team like McLaren that has the factory, has the, the engineers, has the design capabilities to keep bringing parts out to every race, and if Honda have put a substantial budget behind their engine design as well, they're going to improve. They're not going to catch up. They're not going to get faster. They're going to improve. Well, they might get faster, but they'll improve and they'll get over these issues. The trouble is that they've started off on the back foot again. Yeah. That is my main problem is they, they've not hit the ground running like other teams may have. So I just feel that they're, they're missed. They've missed two days of running compared to everyone else. Okay, in the chat room, Paul Wright says, I love McLaren, but I don't feel like there's much light at the end of the tunnel at the moment. Um, according to Andy Cowell, says uh, Bahamati Matt, uh, according to Andy Cowell, the token system allows a lot of freedom for development. Uh, though it's removed, Honda can still change the V in the block. Right, well, let's talk about this McLaren and, and Honda in their running. Because uh, how many teams are running Honda engines? One. One. How many teams are running Renault engines? Okay, I see a point. Three. Honda ran 208 laps. Renault ran 770. Honda ran 968 kilometers. Renault, 3,500. So if you just say we had three teams running and multiply out the Honda PU numbers, then, then, then they're, they're on a par with what Renault did. They're a little bit behind, but not nearly as much. And they did have a full day of filming that, as far as I'm aware, they didn't suffer any major issues in. Part of the reason this looks so bad is that there's only one team running Honda engines. And that has also, I think, negatively impacted them in terms of their ability to find problems and design solutions. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That might be a reason. Yes, that's an excuse. And there always seems to be a reason. There always seems to be an excuse. But the point is, they are coming to the F1 party only supplying one team. If it's Mercedes, uh, sorry, if it's McLaren that are forcing that to happen, then whatever. That is still what they are coming in with and rob watts has made an interesting comment in the chat room rob watts of badger gp spoke to someone this week who worked in f1 for more than two decades his opinion is that honda are in big trouble and that current issues are linked to more deep-rooted problems with the organization so they're bringing that to the party as well and you wonder whether they've got the the commitment of f1 because they're just supplying an engine rather than being a works team so renault are a works team they're committed to the sport mercedes the same thing for me the lack of engine regulation the lack of a stopping of development and the opening up 
of these token systems favors teams that have been good at developing engines. And you can make the all the excuses you want, but at the end of the day, Honda have not been good at developing engines in the hybrid era. Mercedes have been. Therefore, any of these uh, opening up and allowances suit the teams that have been better at it. For whatever reason, Matt, it's not going to suit Honda. They need the restrictions to be more. They need to stop development to let Honda catch up. Well, no, because again, opening of the token system means any problem discovered can be addressed with design. With the token system, that is not necessarily the case. All right, then let's okay. Let's put our cards on the table. Then more ground to cover, so they should theoretically. It's a big assumption that they have the ability to catch up. I don't think you can assume either way, depending upon what the problem is, that they will be able to fix it or not. But what you can know for sure is that with the token system. Certain systems were unfixable, period, until the end of the regulations, and that is no longer the case. And that has all along been my point. I think, I, from my point of view, you're both wrong. It's the problem is, is that Honda and Mercedes are complete. They're starting from completely different points. Honda have never really built an engine that's been on par, maybe with Renault last year, but not really on par with anything else. And they always seem to start badly. So Mercedes probably have a, a good understanding of their engine department and have built something that fits around their chassis, while Honda have built something that is a step back. So no matter how much money they pump into it, no matter how many how many bits they were able to develop, now the token system is gone, they're not starting on a level pegging field, a level playing field. And it's it's for me, that's the big problem. 2014, Renault came in with their hybrid. It was breaking down everywhere. We had uh, Sebastian Vettel not happy getting out of the car, having little tantrums. Uh, as well, Ferrari came in with a heavy power unit. When Honda came in, they had problems. They couldn't get the car going. It was down on power. Mercedes were straight away pretty much flying around the track. Certainly 2015 and last year, they were, they were doing the most miles. They did so many miles on the medium tyre that they were going to the medium tyre when other tyres, other people weren't, just because they'd managed that many miles in testing. And you, you say, oh, well, we can't write Honda off. We have evidence to say that they cannot get their act together with this power unit, and I cannot see it getting any better. And that reliability in the preseason ensured that no Mercedes power unit broke down during the season and the rightful person won the championship. Well, if it wasn't for the conspiracy, you'd be right. <laughs> Tell you what, then, talking about winning the championship, let's look to the current champions, uh, Mercedes. Uh, they're sandbagging the hell out of that car, aren't they, Matt? Come on. Yeah, I mean, they did They did uh, break a track record, I think, with Botas, who was the fastest all week. Not that that means anything. Or wait, you said it did mean something, didn't you? I, I can't remember now. Um, yeah, there's obviously a lot left in the bag for Mercedes. I think power unit-wise, and it's going to be interesting to see how they how they play this going into Melbourne. From what I understand, uh, Renault have barely turned up their engine. It is maybe not even seventy five percent they're running at for this first week, and they're kind of steadily bringing up. Basically, everybody is sandbagging effectively mercedes most definitely ferrari we definitely haven't seen uh their full potential red bull no way and also you got to remember these cars are going to be so different by the time they get to melbourne we all had the launch spec cars that were that looked quite basic and uh maybe were uh slightly underwhelming to some fans the second test is going to be more and more upgrades and then the first race they're going to be very different 
I'd quickly just have to go to Josh Simpkins' uh, comment there because he said the fact that Eric Boulier is publicly doubting the Honda p- partnership is already a big sign on the wall. But the fact that they they did that press statement together, the Honda and the and the McLaren, and they said, you know, the, the old chairman's vote of confidence, that instantly reminded me of every football sacking I've ever seen. Sorry about that. Uh, go back to what you're going to say about Mercedes, Craig. So with, with Mercedes, uh, from what I gather from talking to people in the paddock as well, is that it looks great on the soft tyre. But when it switches to the medium, it gets a bit twitchy. And that's something that they might have some inherent understeering there that, that may be based on the arrows that they've had to develop this year with the shark fins and things like that. Which, by the way, I don't have a problem with the shark fins. I think they're fine. Um, the T-wings I have a problem with, but the shark fins I don't. Um, but when they switch from the soft to the medium, the car gets a little bit understeering. You saw it with Bottas. On the harder tyre compounds, they've probably got to dial out a little bit there. But this is what these days are for. They've they've got an engine and a package that we all know is going to be lightning quick when it comes to Melbourne. So they've just got to get these little bits out of the way before they start turning the wick up. I I think that might be a kind of uh, very specific issue because uh, speaking to Pirelli, the comments they've had from the teams and the drivers is that between the compounds, the balance doesn't change as much as it used to. So they're predicting uh, kind of in pit stops less fiddling about with the front wing when they when they come in and they switch compounds. Um, but like you say, you know, it's incredibly early days. So, I mean, and, and that's what te- that's what testing is for. All right. Tell you what, let's talk to Craig. Craig, Badger GP is always doing fun things. And one of the fun things you start pre-season and do all the way through the season is a fantasy league now i used to do the old football fantasy leagues and um i could never be bothered to do the substitutions um to keep 11 men on pitch and keep track but with a formula one team of two surely that's a a lot simpler for me to keep my fantasy team so i'll have verline hamilton and mercedes win well if we had the game like that then it wouldn't be very fun to play would it and unfortunately it's slightly different than that but um Yes, today I can reveal that we have launched our Fantasy Grand Prix game for the 2017 season. Or if you head to fantasygp.com, you'll be able to see the game in all its glory. You can sign up starting from today, um, in which that you have a budget of 75 million to pick three drivers and three teams from the Formula One grid. Now, obviously, the best teams and drivers are priced at a very higher rate. So Lewis Hamilton is the most expensive driver in the game at 22 million. So a hefty chunk of your budget will go on him there. But. you you score points through um, the drivers and constructors points. So whatever points the team or driver pick up throughout the season, they score. You also um, score points through drivers getting bonus points. So depending on where they start on the grid for every position, they finish above their starting position, they get a bonus of three points. And uh, you can also do a prediction. So if you predict the podium and get it right in order, as well as pole position, fastest lap, uh, and number of safety cars and the first to retire this year as well you also get bonus points for them so it's a lot of variables in there um we've had thousands of players over the years so i think we had topped out of nine thousand players last year we had jenny gow involved will buxton involved and simon Lazenby involved so it's a free game to sign up to uh, we do offer a pro membership in which you could donate some money towards the running of the website in do- ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com doing so you gain five million dollars towards your budget so you have 80 million dollars to spend and you also um receive access to all the stats involved in the game so you can start doing a little bit of analysis to decide who you're going to pick for pole position or who you're going to pick for your uh cheaper drivers because we all have a cheap driver on your team and uh yeah that's pretty much it it launched today we've had a massive sign up already and it's really worth getting involved we've got a team just you. It's called uh, We Might Be Wrong But First. I think it's called Wrong But First, and it was started in the live stream by Patrick Green, who's part of our uh, Slack group, and he's he's been corralling people in our Facebook group. So I don't know how many are signed up, but we'll, we'll be in it. So how do we win, and what do we get when we win? A trophy, girls, cocaine? <laughs> None of the above. Uh, I think we have... We have several prizes that we give out throughout the year as well. So if you're lucky enough to win, become the highest scoring player in a Grand Prix, you win uh, one of several items. We have uh, our own merchandise company called Box Box Box, which uh, you might get a T-shirt or something along those lines. We have mugs as well. So we have mugs where every year we have a mug that goes out to winners. Um, We're still finalizing a few prizes for who wins the overall championship. But we, in past... uh, games we've given away single seat experiences to silverstone <laughs> we've given away tickets to grand prix uh things along those lines so there's there's a lot of things out there if you take part in and all the information is uh on fantasygp.com badgergp.com no can we find it from there, is there a link fantasygp.com oh, okay. it is it is on a brand new server and website for the 2017 season but you yourself can be found all over the internet of course if people like you they can find you they can find me on twitter uh at craig norman f1 they can find me uh, any work that I've done on badgergp.com uh, forward slash Craig, uh, which is my author page. That's a bit uh, out of date now. I haven't done anything recently <laughs> due to man flu. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's where you can find me on the on the big bad internet. Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely fantastic. And speaking of our Slack group, where Patrick Green uh, rallied us to join the Badger GP fantasy group, why not join in with the Slack group? It's kind of been a mix between a WhatsApp chat and an internet forum. Uh, people like Matt, myself, Vortex, Ferret, uh, we're all in there. And that is a place for our patrons 
who support the show to come and join in with us. I have to say, uh, we've had a little bit of an uptake in our patrons uh, recently. It's really, really helped, especially with the computer dying last week. Uh, it's it's covered all the running costs. Missed Apex podcast is literally brought to you by the patrons, and we really, really appreciate your support. And Matt, it's been fantastic fun hanging out with them in that Slack group. That's like my go-to little break thing that I have now through the day. Yeah, it's especially delightful because they tend to agree with me and not you. Shocking. Shocking if true. <laughs> Which I don't think it is. So if you want to get involved in that or you want to support us, uh, just go to patreon.com forward slash. Oh, I don't know that. I think it's Missed Apex. Just go to patreon.com and search Missed Apex podcast. And I won't do what another Formula One podcast does, which, by the way, is outstripping us massively on Patreon. I want to catch up to them um, and imply that somehow you owe us uh, because well, what they said was, we've given you the first five years free. Uh, We paid for the first five years. Why don't you pay for the next five years? And I found that a little bit. I found that a little bit much. I don't want to call them out because obviously we find podcasts on the understanding that they are free and it always will be free. It's like the street performer who catches you in the street, does a magic trick and then wants money or the guy who washes your window screen and then demands cash for the service you didn't ask. Um, So no, I don't know. Maybe they do, Matt. Maybe we got it wrong. No, no, we did not get it wrong. We got it right. They are greedy bastards. Oops, can I say that? Uh, Come on, just let me catch up with those unnamed people. I want to beat them. Come on, let's beat them. Speaking of people who want to beat other people, Ferrari, lot of chat from Mr. Wilson. Do you know this fella, Mr. Wilson, Irish boar on Twitter, one of our, our, our listeners, uh, interacts with us a lot, very nice guy, actually did a nice YouTube video telling us why Max Verstappen was good or bad, I can't remember which way, talented man anyway, he insists that this is Kimi Raikkonen, he's back, he's already proved he's back and he's on it, he's going to beat Vettel this year. That's a big claim, that's the biggest claim I've heard so far. I'd, I'd, um, love, I'd love to know what the evidence is to say he's already back. Well, basically, he topped a couple of the days, didn't he, where he got a slightly faster time than Vettel. Means nothing. <laughs> Means absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think well, you have to commend Ferrari in the fact that they've actually got their heads down and had a good first test. Like, there's no infighting. There's no complaints about the car way and the drivers. There's no sheepishness from any of the designers. There's no Italian rage that something's gone wrong. It's it's very un-Ferrari-like that they've managed to get the car all settled down and in a decent position. And I'll commend them for the fact that they've actually gone down a really solid development route, a unique development route. They've not gone out to try and copy the leading car on the grid. They've actually gone down something that they want to do. So, you know, who knows? This may be Ferrari season. I can't believe I just said that. It might be Ferrari season. Well, they were the only ones who had zero issues, if I'm not entirely mistaking that. Oh, Chris, you want to jump in on that? Well, well, uh, Vettel did stop on track on uh, Wednesday, right outside the media center, and every single journalist in the room piled over to the window <laughs> trying to get a, a view for, uh, from it. But um, uh, my understanding is that, that that was actually a kind of running out of fuel test, and it wasn't actually an issue on the car, so certainly no no dramas put it that way yeah because even mercedes didn't run the morning of the wet test because they had an electrical issue supposedly uh, yeah yeah i mean uh meant that uh lewis didn't go out uh all morning um i i, I can't imagine it, it's a major issue for them though because friday's running was pretty much moot because of this wet weather test 
yeah, yeah. But still, Ferrari being the only one without an officially announced issue, uh, that kind of says something. It kind of that, and of course, the uh, suspension attack. Oh, this! Uh, you know, they're, they're, teams are getting uh, checked now. They're getting the inspections from the FIA, uh, and and so far from my digging, no team has been pulled up on it just yet. Yeah, but it's pretty obvious if you watch Red Bull run that there is a remarkable amount of flattening that happens in a straight line above a certain speed that all but disappears when they break for the corners. So whether or not that runs afoul of the technical directive they've released, I don't know, but it's obvious that all of the teams or at least the top teams are, are playing games with rake in a straight line to help, but with efficiency and, uh, and basically with efficiency. Yeah. Well, we, we asked, uh, Toto and Aldo Costa about this at the, mercedes launch at silverstone and they have got no worries about it whatsoever because the rules about suspension haven't changed over uh 2016 to 2017 i love this and- i love the new chris stevens who's like on it and at the test yeah it's just talking to toto just drop that bomb in and walk away love it i mean obviously it could have happened to a, a lot nicer person but there you are in that position of privilege where can people find you on the internet chris and where can people follow your you know your live stream teleprompter type thing uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at cstevens underscore Jano, and uh, yeah, all the written work is at formulaspy.com. I mean, you do a live thing like the BBC do, where you type in, "Oh my goodness, Vels crashed." I have no strong opinion on that either way. <laughs> well, it's just meant to be a factual, you know, text update. So yeah, we do, yeah, regular updates on that. Yeah, but you've got to beat BBC, so I want some personality on that next week, or I'm switching back to the BBC feed. <laughs> I can't rely on your friendly support, man. That's harsh. Uh, you could for test one, but now I now I want to now I want to see you deliver. Come on, <laughs> deliver. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about money, money, money. Can't buy you grip, Craig. Is it as bad as it looks for for Mister Lance Stroll? Because you came off like three times <laughs> in the course of two days. And okay, fair enough. Somebody did make a great point on um, on the BBC feed that I definitely wasn't watching because I was watching the Formula the Formula Spy feed that said, "Hey, lay off him. Driving a Formula One card is meant to be hard for a rookie." But my worry is, why is he pushing past his limit on his very first week on a test in a Formula One car? Because if you don't do it now and you do it in China or Bahrain, you get absolutely hammered by everyone involved. You might as well just go and get yourself. You know, have a little few one few offs here and there. That's what testing's for. Get yourself bedded in, so you know what's going on. And then when you get to the, the nitty gritty of it all, and you're in ninth place in the Grand Prix or eighth place in the Grand Prix, which is where Williams are probably going to be this year, then you get those points in the bag. Now, you know, Lance Stroll is going to take a lot of stick this year because of the money he's bringing to the team. But this guy is rapid. This guy has driven really well in lower formula, so he knows how to drive a race car. Right. He's not a nineteen. He's not a mid nineties playboy who jumped in a car and drove around Monaco and was ten seconds off the pace. This guy knows how to drive a single seater race car. He was unlucky. The website has Lance Stroll crashed yet. dot com <laughs> was a little bit harsh. It's a little bit previous, but I guess. <laughs> but I guess if the guy also owned has Maldonado crash yet. dot com. He's obviously got a lot of time on his hands. It's, it could go one way or the other. If Lance Stroll is going to be a crash kid, then fantastic. We need something like that in the sport. We need people to have that venting and outlook. 
after Maldonado's departure. But on the other hand, let this guy just get iron all these little bits out now so he gets used to the 2017 cards. And then we go move forward. Stop you there, lads. Just got a bit of weird interference. Hopefully that's the last we'll hear of it. But Matt, come on. Yeah. Okay. Push the limit straight away. But when the limit's the wall and it costs you a day's testing. Yeah. And you know who defended him? Can you believe it? Was it Donald Lewis Trump? Lewis Hamilton. Oh, Lewis Hamilton. Really? Go on. What did Lewis say? Said, said, don't pick on the lad. It's harder than you think. What's that? What's that, Mr. Stevens? You have something to say? I, I, I do. I feel for Lance. I really do. Um, <laughs> that poor guy. You it's, identify with young incompetence? It's about time he caught a break <laughs> in his life, isn't it? No, I mean, the, the thing is, you, a lot of his critics on social media, I'm pretty sure I've never seen him turn a wheel in, in his life. No, and it's jealousy. I'll admit that. I'm jealous as hell of the kid. The thing, the thing about Lance is that he was uh, compromised by a need to find the limit, but save the car because Williams had a lack of developmental parts, which to me, it sounds like a bit of a misjudgment from them. It really does because you can't expect Lance to not break a few bits uh, in his first public outing in the car where he needs to to find the limit. So I, I, I would, yeah, I'd say that's a misjudgment from him. The, the, the thing about Lance as well, you know, it, it coming up from F3 to F1, he's already skipped two junior uh categories there but with this huge jump in pace we were expecting in the 2017 cars it's more like three effectively i think it was sergio perez who described uh the going from a 2016 to a 2017 car is basically like stepping from gp2 to formula one again so it's it's a big shock to the to the system and you know i mean one spin cost him three quarters of a day's uh running uh i i think you know he he's doing all right the the really interesting thing about the the day that people really kind of got the hump with him um on the 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 wednesday um stroll he admitted liability to that first crash that was like right at the end of the morning session where he ended up in um the gravel um but his turn five crash that wrote him out for the rest of the day and wrote them off for the friday as well because of the damage to the chassis said in a Q&A session afterwards uh, that there was an issue on the car that made him crash. The word he used was victim. Oh, dear. However, now this is where it gets really interesting. Other people in that Q&A who worked for the team did not echo those comments. The And this is the thing where it's just he doesn't know the established Formula One protocol, which is, in an accident like that, the driver first off says, oh, it's my fault. And then the team says, oh, no, no, it's our fault. Yeah, They're very British. Letting yes. nobody know what really happened. <laughs> so from what I heard about that crash is that he went a little bit wide and just kept, kept his foot in, which just shows a little bit of, well, some people may say bravery, but it might be a little bit of inexperience. Well, hang on, you're but flip-flopping all over the, the place. Craig, you're flip-flopping all over the place now. I well, said that he was being <laughs> too gung-ho and you said, oh, no, that's fine. He's got to do it. Well, I just think the I think the first two spins at turn three was what set him up for that because I think he just went I can I need to just try and save one yeah so I don't look too much of a fool and he went a little bit too over the edge I don't think long term the guy's going to be safe in Formula One I think it's just have uh, you know 
the guy, anybody that has more than two crashes in the first test is going to be the one that gets the finger pointed at. And it just happened to be the guy that's everyone's already pointing the finger at because of the money. Michael Evers in the chat room says, this is the weakest lineup this year, Massa and Stroll. He, he could have a point just because of inexperience and then somebody on the very other end uh, of that. But welcome to the chat room. A lot of new guys in there. If you want to join us on the chat room, the easiest way is to go to spannersready.com forward slash live stream and you'll see the link to my channel. Or you can just go on YouTube and search Spanners Ready. And we do try now to give you alerts and we try to be consistent to be 8 p.m. on Sundays. Don't worry about what we're competing with on TV. Don't look. Don't look. I promise. It's terrible. You can trust me. Um, but also make sure that you subscribe to that YouTube channel and you'll get a notification of the live stream. Or why not follow Downforce Radio on Facebook and you'll also get a notification when we go live on there. Yeah, well... I don't know. I, for the first crash, like I was looking at it, he went a little bit wide, caught the grass, turned. I mean, I, I saw other drivers off in that same fashion, not break their cars. So, but at first off, it's like kind of a bad beat in poker. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, no, I get that. But, but, but winding up in the wall like that, when you know your team has no spare parts and there's another day's running, that just seems like uh, poor judgment, let's say. But I think my favorite comment is from Lakes Boy, who said, yeah, leave Stroll alone. He does drive fast. Granted, into the barrier, but <laughs> still. And that's so. from the Slack group. I'm glad I'm glad you were monitoring uh, monitoring that. Uh, Bahamatimat, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to be brave. If you're going to slash, slash hard, says, I saw his post-accident interview and his answers seemed entitled. And that's the fear. That is the fear coming from that kind of background that he's going to maybe give himself a, a bad impression if he continues to talk like that. Chris, you're going to defend that? No, I, I, I'm i sort of going to run a little bit parallel to it because I spoke to him after um, the first crash, the one of at turn you nine. Did. You're like a celebrity. da Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look at me, I'm creepy. <laughs> Oh, the jealousy is just it is. I'm so jealous. Um, <laughs> but no, um, he was in- incredibly nervous and jittery after that. Uh, I-, I think it may have been, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of media pressure for him because he knew that he was going to get asked these uh, very awkward and painful questions of, is it your inexperience? Are they going to bring up the whole pay driver tag again? You had this private testing as well. Are you going to, is it going to compromise the rest of your testing? And he was just so very reserved. And he, he has these uh, sort of mannerisms that he keeps sort of doing. He keeps sort of like scratching his, his, his neck and sort of fiddling with his, his hands a bit. He really isn't kind of up to speed, if you pardon the pun in the sort of Formula One world yet. Well, he's a young man. He's a rookie. I mean, people get nervous in front of, of camera, and I suppose this is the culmination of his dreams. I can't I can't really blame him for being a bit nervous in front of camera. Well, are we looking at another Kvyat when he got demoted situation here, do you think, Chris? I, I don't think it's that bad. I think Stroll has the potential to be a fantastic racing driver, and I think given uh, a little bit of time, he can become that. I think what this also does do is take the it sort of deflects away the attention that Williams may have a really tough year this year. They had a torrid time really in, in terms of a test because outside of the first day they didn't have an experienced driver in the car. Um, Massa did the first day, you know, solid morning, and then they managed to improve the pace in the afternoon. But Massa should have done a, they should have had two days straight with Massa just to get a little bit more experience in the car, a little bit more development, a little more understanding of what's going on, because they're pretty much in the same place as McLaren now in terms of running, and uh, that's a dangerous place to be in. 
Paul Wright in the chat room says, maybe he was m- nervous meeting the famous Chris Stevens. Come in, Tiffany. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's all about me. Matt, I've run out of steam as far as organising the show goes. Of the remaining teams, who do you want to talk about, apart from being incorrect about the Haas paint job? I'm totally correct about the Haas paint job. You are not. It looks like a tank. It's a fighter jet on wheels. I love it. Oh, Chris is going to say a thing. Oh, gosh, look at him. I agree with Spanners. I can't believe I've said this. We're best friends now. (laughs) It actually looks pretty sweet. And you know what? They were actually one of the surprises of the test for me. They ran really well. Yeah, well, you know who else ran well? I think Renault ran very, very well. I I was kind of impressed with them. Um, Who else can we talk? You know, can I before we before we do? Can I just mention something about um, Palmer's spin on the on the Wednesday? I think it was because it was a very very pathetic spin. Because uh, it was oh. just as soon as he went anywhere near the throttle, the back end just stepped away. I just want to point out the track temperature was about 12 degrees when he did that. It was freezing cold that morning. Yeah. Really, I can't blame him for it. So we're suddenly all over the place a little bit. But I do want to address Palmer because, okay, he's had his year to bed in now. Palmer's destiny is to be the next great British hope. You know, of the generation coming through, it's Julian Palmer. This is his moment to shine. He's like the next, you know, you grow up with, uh, what, what have we had? We've had, in my lifetime, Mansell, who gave way to Hill. Then we've had Coulthard. And even when Coulthard wasn't doing a lot, he was still the British slash Scottish when he lost Guy. Uh, you know, and then you had people coming through. Then you had Jensen, Lewis Hamilton. And now is it's Palmer's turn to kind of embed himself as a British fan favourite. But he's got to do it this season, Craig, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, in, in, alongside all those names you mentioned, we also had, uh, Ralph Furman, Anthony Davidson, Max Chilton. Like he, I know what you mean. Through default, he is the next in line. <laughs> in I don't think Palmer's Chilton-esque though, is he? He's, he's a, he's a cut above that. Well, Chilton, Chilton had a good run in his first year at Mauritius. He uh, had a good run of non-retirements. Oh so, yes, well. Know, don't knock back Chilton. <laughs> Um, but I can I can see where you are. Like, I don't the think. Is, I don't, okay, put it this Palmer's way. I in, don't think it's hopeless, Craig. I don't think it's hopeless for I, Palmer this season. I completely agree with you. Um, I don't think it is at all. I think what you need to look at is that Palmer has had doors open for him in how other drivers have moved along. So Grosjean leaving Renault to go to Haas sort of created that vacuum there that he stepped into, and now Hulkenberg's come across as well. Now, Magnussen left there. You could have argued that Magnussen and Hulkenberg would have been a better team than Palmer and Hulkenberg, but Magnussen decided to leave. So I, Palmer's there. In my view, he's there through default. So I, <laughs> I know he performed well towards the second half of last year. I'm not going to take that away yeah. from him. But I do feel that this is a really this is a really tough season for him. He's up against Hulkenberg. He's extremely consistent in a car that will... I think was the dark horse of the of the of the grid. Really, they had a really good solid first test. They didn't have any issues. They put the miles on. Um, I just, I just, I think, I think Palmer's going to struggle. Okay, so in the chat room, quickly, Christopher Fonseca says, Craig, quickly, where do you think Palmer ranks next to say Sam Bird? Um, I think Sam Bird's been extremely unlucky. I think that Sam Bird has slightly more natural talent than Palmer. I'm not saying Palmer's bad, but uh, I think Palmer's had the breaks. The, the, the chat room's been pretty harsh on Palmer, to be honest. Palmer, just another paid driver. But Rob Watts comes in with, 
Unpopular opinion alert. I think Jolian could be, and it is Jolian, isn't it? Could be a pleasant surprise this season. He'll run Hulkenberg closer than many expect. And a young Mr. Matt Trumpet says, I agree. Uh, and uh, Baha Mati Hayamat says, heretic. So, Chris, where do you stand? I, I agree with Robin and Matt. I think also having Hulkenberg alongside him this year will uh, help him as well, kind of get up to speed. Because I don't think Kevin Magnussen was maybe the, the best teammate for him in his, in his rookie year. Um, we know that in his GP2 days, he took a little bit of time to get up to speed. And in the second half of uh, the season last year, he was, uh, you know, on top of K-Mag a lot of the time. Um, for K-Mag this is kind of a make or break year. If he doesn't really deliver, then he could be out pretty quickly. So I, I think that's maybe where the kind of misguidance about Palmer has come in as well. I think, you know, he's got Hulkenberg, a, a, a known quantity alongside him now. Uh, so I, I think that's a, a good benchmark for him to, 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 to go up against this year. Okay, so Hannah Hassel in the chat room says, what have I missed? And I know full well that the reason you're not in the chat is because you're watching Call the Midwife or something like that. So don't come running back in here after just because what Call the Midwife has finished asking us what you've missed. Well, you've missed Matt being wrong a lot about a lot of things. You, you've missed the realization that Chris Stevens is now basically a celebrity. Uh, so when we were darting about all over the place, we skipped over Haas. Did you want to go back to that, Matt? Uh, yeah, in the sense that. They're on their own this year, or much more on their own than last year. What? What does that look, Chris? And and they have done a better job than you might have thought. But for me personally, I think they're going to find it hard to replicate last year's results because the rest of the midfield is blazing, quite frankly. I agree with that very much, Matt. The face was uh, you reminded me of a point that I wanted to bring up about Toro Rosso, who, after this kind of phase of becoming more independent, are now sort of slightly moving back to Red Bull in terms of their shared parts uh, for next year. Uh, It's more kind of about not performance parts, more the kind of just standard parts, parts you don't really see on a car, but they're starting to share those more as a cost saving measure. Um, so not that it's really going to make a difference to how the team performs, but in terms of cost, it's a big saving. Yeah. But let's continue to talk about James key. And the fact that once again, Toro Rosso has turned up with a thing on their car that nobody else has. And many people are likely to copy. And I, I just got to say, aside from liking Carlos signs, cause he has my number and the livery in general, they always impress me as being very much along the lines of Force India in that they do a great deal of good with what amounts to a relatively tiny budget. Um, if I can go back to Haas, I think that they're looking really professional this year. I think they had a really solid first test. Um, but this brake issue just won't go away. It we got through all day through that first test. Yeah. First test, and then immediately turn to, well, you know, we're going to stick with this brake supplier, and then we'll try this one later on in the year. And I'm like, this is still going on. This is still happening. Come on, if the brakes aren't working, find ones that do. Let's yeah. stop beating around the bush. Because here. the big puffs of smoke, uh, like the one down the back straight in Malaysia, we could go on. It, it, it's it's That's when you think it's systemic, and Matt's cat on his shoulder creeping up to be part of the podcast is hilarious. Worth joining the live stream uh, on its own. Yeah, what's going on with those breaks? Um, anyway, Matt. Oh, sorry, Chris. Um, I just wanted to say about Haas is they made a comment this week about um, 
Oh my god, that cat is adorable. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the um, the comment they made about Ferrari's engine, uh, which is apparently a big step up. And do you know you can kind of uh, tell just by kind of listening to it trackside. You can tell which cars have got the new engine and which ones have got the 2016 engine purely from the volume. The new one is so much louder than the 2016 engine. Yeah, are they running that modified Mercedes exhaust that they designed last year? The the exhaust, the shape of the exhaust outlet looks differently different to me than it did previously. I didn't get a chance to compare the the Sauber, Haas, and Ferrari exhausts. I'll get on. I'm going to write that down actually and get on to that. Chat room You're says. Welcome. Chat room says cat. <laughs> and, that, and that's a fair reflection matt we are we're running short on time so why don't you um hone us in on what you want to talk about in fact you were just mentioning toro rosso and james key uh, and them turning up was that one of your two things because uh, i have well that was my big thing for toro rosso is that yet again they have a clever design bit that nobody else has thought of well didn't, didn't mercedes India. turn up with that same one as well and james key made a comment saying it was actually kind of a relief to see that at least one other team had done gone down the line we were thinking but would you mind just explaining quickly what that was um it was basically an aerodynamic bit and honestly i didn't even bother to research it because i figured we would just be briefly mentioning these sorts of things no so we need summers anybody we need summers don't we yeah more they'd like to bring to it i wouldn't argue with it no but, you roll to what you wanted to talk about well, I think one thing we haven't really talked about at all is is Force India, which I have defined as F ugly but F functional. Thing as is, it were. thing is, when the car looks that unattractive, it's just got to dance a little harder to get my attention on the dance floor. That's that's all there is to it. Yeah, well, isn't there always that design thing that cars that look fast are fast? And, and the Force India looks more like oh, a, it, it a, looks a German like, tank. It looks like the end, end of a crash yeah. test. That's what it looks like, Craig. But the, the, this year's Force India looks like they asked a 12-year-old to draw last year's Force India. And this is what <laughs> I came up with. <laughs> How did it look on track, Chris? Very meh. Oh. Very meh. Oh, but, but hang on, wasn't VJ Malia saying... Um, Ignore those people chasing me. Uh, we are going to finish second or something. I can't see like, that. He was happen. being super optimistic, though, about... Uh, mind you, Toro Rosso is saying they're going to be top of the midfield, but Force India definitely saying, yeah, it looks rubbish, but we're going to surprise a few people. You, you'd th- say no. I'd say fifth is maybe the best they can hope for this year. I think they're going to struggle this year. If they, they're not going to maximise the budget. They had three years of just optimising, 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 and now we're at a new budget level. They're going to struggle. Yeah. And prize money aside, I'll tell you who did kind of impress me, though, and that is Team Clean, otherwise known as Sauber. But for those of us who read the Auto Motor und Sport feed, Sauber is always translated as clean. And in particular, Giovanazzi was like an amazing revela- revelation. And I'm wondering, do you think he might be a wearline killer there, Chris? Well, he certainly did a, a very great job, especially when you consider he only stepped inside a Formula One car for the first time in uh, the middle of February. Unlike certain other rookies at the test in certain other white cars? Yes, that's a a, a very nice statement. Um, the, I see, this is the, this is the thing about Verline, actually, is we were supposed to have word on whether he's uh, driving the second test or not by now, and we haven't, which certainly... Isn't uh, a good sign. Um, so I, th- I think uh, at this rate, he's going to miss the second test and go into the first race maybe with no preseason testing under his belt. Ouch. 
out. But I'll tell you, they did something else that was really nice, is they also signed Tatiana Calda as their reserve driver. And I am incredibly stoked about this. Yeah, I'm really happy about it um, uh, as, as well. I, I can't say I've kept an eye on her massively. Obviously, she's on you know a lot of people's um, radar. But I, I, I think it's it's a great opportunity for for her, and obviously it's a great opportunity for, you know, just to showcase women in motorsport once again. Yeah, and let's not forget we just celebrated um, the passing of of Lella Lombardi just a day or two ago, the last woman to score points in Formula One, and and it would be great to see her get some actual, unlike Simona, get some actual seat time and be treated as a proper driver. Hopefully, uh, Sauber with Ericsson's money is now sort of beyond the uh, driver lotto that they were playing a couple of years ago. I think with Sauber as well is that um, they've got a bit of a, a secret weapon in Ruth Buscombe on the pit wall. So I have this theory that uh, Ruth really understands these Pirelli ties and the fact that she was at Ferrari in 2015, which managed to secure three wins based on tie strategy. She was at Haas at the start of last year and managed to oversee them start finishing sixth and fifth at the start of the season. And then re- um, she disappeared from that team for a little bit and then reappeared at Sauber last year. And <clears throat> you saw Ericsson perform a heroic stint at, I think it was America, where he finished ninth after running a massive stint on the hard ties and then oversaw the point scoring at um, Brazil, which managed to get them into that ninth place. So they may be trying some tricky stuff in terms of strategy this year just to get them that that little bit further up the grid because you know, technically, statistically, and probably financially, they're bottom of the pile right now. So they need everything they can get. Matt, um, you were being asked by the chat room to just clarify um, Tatiana, is it Calderon, Tatiana Calderon's position within Sauber? Yes, they are asking me to confirm it, and I am in the process of trying to figure out which one it was. Although, if somebody knows for sure, feel free to jump in. I think Rob Watts uh, from Badger in the chat room as well is saying she may get some test time later in the year, but that depends on her results in GP3. That sounds really positive. I like the way they're talking about her. Her her role is is effectively to uh, do do the sim runs. Um, there'll be quite a bit of work on that. Uh, she'll also attend a few Grand Prix as well and kind of have some one-to-one time with the engineers. Sorry, I'm arguing with someone in the chat room. <laughs> Fair enough. And Paul Wright, I'm just going to say, no, that's not her position. Don't do that. All right, boys, I think we are coming to a natural end. Uh, let's just say that comment of the week went to an early comment from Blackout19, who I believe has actually won this several times, but unfortunately he's knocked it out of the park one more time. Comment of the week. Blackout19 says, on the bright side, at least McLaren don't have any sponsors to upset. Comment of the week. Matt, you have things to plug and you've not had anything to plug on a podcast for about two weeks so what are you up to these days i know your wife is in the final stages of one of her latest novels and very interesting following her at amanda weaver writes because she's very open about the writing process and given the nature and subject of her writing that can be quite eye-watering at times yeah well you know as as with everything else it's kind of an up and a down thing Uh, i think her she's got her historical trilogy that's out um Starts with a duchess in name, which I think might be on sale for 99 cents. So if you've been waiting for that moment to distract your spouse and a cat is too expensive, (laughs) then I can highly recommend going out and buying my wife's books instead because they will certainly do the job. 
once the Grand Prix start rolling around. A Duchess in name, and that is by uh, at Amanda Weaver writes. Matt, are you promoting your cat as well? That's been so distracting. You can't have that adorable cat on the live stream anymore. Uh, he's figured out how to open the door to my office, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. So, um, how much I can do. Fair enough. Uh, dear listener, if you've made it this far, we can assume you enjoy listening to this podcast. Why not make sure you subscribe on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice? Uh, if you are unsure how to subscribe, and I know some people are, go to Twitter and follow at F one and all the instructions are on the pinned post there on the pin tweet in fact matt what have badger got coming up craig uh so this week we're going to have a an exclusive interview with johnny herbert martin brundle and damon hill that robots put together um last friday uh and if you uh, head back through the website last week we had an interview with craig scarborough about this year's regulations as well as a few other interesting articles on there so yeah keep keep your eyes peeled not only is the fantasy grand prix game launched but we're starting to get some really great content going up and Chris, you're leaving on a jet plane. Yeah, maybe. No, wait, what? Are you not going to bar test two? <laughs> no, budget doesn't extend that far, unfortunately. Um, so I, I will be sitting out the second test, uh, I, I'm afraid. Uh, but uh, my paddock work will continue for the year. I've, I've actually got a lot. I worked out this week. I am essentially keeping an eye on 41 different series this year. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all glamour and glory. I look forward to hearing from the lawnmower championships that take place in Kent every year. No doubt you and Jake Sanson will be covering that. So follow me at Spanners Ready. Find all my stuff at www.spannersready.com. Support Missed Apex at www.com. No, that's wrong. That's not how web addresses work. www.patreon.com and search for Missed Apex. Why not support Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station, and make sure you visit badgergp.com, because F1 isn't boring. And due to the fact that YouTube make a claim every single time I play Fallen to Flux uh, on on YouTube, unfortunately, I'm going to have to stop using them on the live stream. So don't be jarred by the different ending to this week's show. And just remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. It's not the same. Fall into flux. It's TuneCore's fault. Everyone at TuneCore and say, leave Missed Apex podcast alone. We have the rights to use at Fall into Flux. I don't like it. It makes me feel like I'm about to get this shot in a rubbish western. to headbang to. You cannot headbang <laughs> to this song. Why don't you use one of my tunes? I don't know. Do you do heavy? I want a heavy metal. I want I want Fall into oh. Flux and TuneCore have ruined everything. They're the biggest ruiners ever. You can use my uh, my lean angle out uh, outro. Is it working? Yeah, it's on. We'll roll with this. See, this is the part where you say words to outro the show. And Wounds then heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This is Miss Apex who just watched the Batman Lego movie. Plug the band, Chris. Oh, that is uh, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Rob, who is in the band Tennyson, who lets us use his music on lean angle. Okay, don't take it against him that he's Chris's friend. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.